Welcome, my lords, to the White City, where you will learn more about Middle-earth and discover differences and similarities between the Rings of Power show and Tolkien's books, and whether Amazon's show, episode by episode, is worth watching. I'm Philip Dutt, your host, and I'll be joined by Matt Vandevoort and Mark Schaefer. I hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, and uh, welcome to the return of the White City, since our uh, cover of the Rings of Power show. And now we're back wanting to give kind of a projection of any of the topics or themes that are going to be covered in the you know next season episodes. And then also hopefully if you guys want to give us any thoughts on things you want us to cover, um, just go to the uh, White City Facebook page and give a comment or message the White City and uh, we'll uh, try to cover that for you. All right, so yeah, we're going to go over some themes and I think power is, you know, it's very suitable, right, for the show, the rings of power, you know, and all. Yeah. Uh, but so I guess uh, with this theme, I'm also wanting to connect um, things from the books with the show and compare those. And then, like, kind of try to tie in some, like, worldview with it as well. So, one theme is power. I think the biggest thing we can, that kind of, like, plays out is between Galadriel and Sauron. And I think the reason why they, like, did this is because they're trying to tie it to, like, Galadriel's temptation by the ring, right? To take over that. And then basically, like, um, refusing and that being, like, a pivotal moment in... Like and her character, um, that Tolkien's writing. So, I guess in the show, um, they're wanting like Gladriel to be seen as like someone who would do anything to destroy Sauron or destroy evil, right? And like, even if that means like, you know, making bad decisions to do so, I think that's kind of like also part of it. And then like this idea of like there's this power that you can use to either make everything good or make everything bad in the end. So in thinking about with the Fellowship of the Ring book and Gladriel and the One Ring, very similar way, right? She's tempted to use the ring for what she would think would be good, but would probably end up as being evil in the end. So corrupting her intentions in that way. So I think that the Rings of Power is drawing connections um, between the book and and uh, I mean in the book in the movies also I guess and um just the idea of like you can either do a lot more good or a lot more bad the also idea of like temptation and sin and the ring and then also as power is more of a temptation than a virtue so I guess thinking about those different things um with you know Gladwell's development and. I think they did a good job, I guess, on that point, even though they're kind of, like, making their own, like, scene there between Gladriel and Sauron. I think they do a decent job of, like, connecting that with the book. So what do you guys think is the main obstacle Gladriel has to overcome? Or is power, rather, the main obstacle, like, Gladriel has to overcome? Let's just say, like, in general. Uh, books, show, you know, give your ideas on that. Mark, do you want to? Take it away. 
Sure. I mean, first off, I think you're right that I think the show does. This is like one of the themes I think it really gets right from Tolkien's work is like the idea of power. Um, and that like, especially you see this, I think, a lot in The Rings of Power, that power isn't necessarily evil in and of itself, but it can be very tempting. It can blind us to things. Um, I think this is like uh, the danger that Gladriel faces, especially in, in Tolkien's work, The Fellowship of the Ring. I just read this section this morning, but when she turns down the ring, she is both rejecting the temptation of evil, but also the danger was that she was blinded to its real evil, that she thought that maybe she could use it for herself and that she recognizes this and this is the thing she overcomes. And it's really interesting in the passage, you know, originally when she's being tempted by the ring, like they capture in the movies, she starts glowing or whatever. But then whenever she's done, she's suddenly a frail old elf woman again. And that's the, like, I think the, so, something like the line that they, he uses. So yeah, this idea that like, as we wrestle with power um, in our own world, but also in the world of Lord of Rings, that it can be this temptation that blinds us. Um, and the show, you see this, you're right. She doesn't really see who Sauron is. She's always, she's not even really seeing the people around her. She's sort of laser focused on her quest to destroy Sauron. And she seems to almost be willing to use any means necessary. And at the end of the show, she both rejects Sauron and she rejects, you know, trying to somehow use the power that Sauron creates through the rings. She at least throws a wrench in the mix, even if she doesn't entirely reject the the idea of the rings. But yeah, I think the show does a pretty good job and that power is definitely the temptation for her to overcome in the show. Yeah, I think that's a good point, especially that's kind of epitomized in the fact that she's so intent on using Halbrand as the king of the Southlands. Mm-hmm. Um that she's so focused on that that she doesn't see the greater evil that's actually at play, that he's not Halbrand, he's Sauron, and that the king of the Southlands, that line has gone extinct. So she's so focused on the use of power for what is, admittedly, it's a noble goal, but she gets so caught up in pursuing that goal that it becomes a weakness rather than a power or rather than a strength. And I think that's, I think that that's something that in the, the next few seasons we might see kind of her shift from just focusing on power to maybe hopefully being a little bit more circumspect about it. Because by the time you get to the Lord of the Rings, you're seeing the end of her journey. You're seeing the end of her arc really where she finally does resist the temptation and reject the temptation and reject the ring. But this is kind of, this is her in the middle of that, um, that arc, like coming out of the Silmarillion, you know, she's been trained by Amaya and she's come from the undying lands. And she has all this behind her where she kind of thinks like she is hot stuff and she can kind of get away with this kind of drive to use power for her own ends. And so hopefully over the course of the show, they'll explore her sort of wrestling with the idea that maybe the answer isn't always to attain power to overcome evil. It might be that you have to reject it regardless of what it's offering. Yeah, really quick, just to bounce off that, right? And Tolkien's final thing about power is that like, you know, it's the hobbits end up winning the day. It's the actions of small everyday people. So maybe... 
she'll end up using some sort of you know person who isn't a big player in the show right now even maybe one of the harfoots later on yeah but yeah definitely that theme of like almost like inconsequential like people right like the hobbits you know yeah or even like eowyn in a lot of ways you know people who are looked over i guess are the ones who are actually being used to make those feats so far in the show the main instance of power traditional like visible power being used is when the Numenorians come in and rescue the the Southlands village and what you see in the show is that ultimately that is subverted very quickly in that they come in all you know bright shining armor and come in and rescue the people but it doesn't matter because due to the actions of the small folk the people you wouldn't expect to do anything it all gets uh, subverted pretty much immediately. And so I think that that's kind of a parallel to at the end when like the penultimate moment of the show is the crafting of the ring or of the seasons, the crafting of the rings. And as we know from the books, there are these powerful objects that get subverted and twisted very quickly. So yeah, that's a good point. Um, so another thing in this first season, do you think that Gladwell's character is someone we should like. Is that something that producers, I guess, are getting us to to see? Uh, I think that's a difficult question. So I think, are we supposed to like the character? I think the correct answer is like, yes. From the very first introduction of her, right, she's this, you know, gifted child who's really fun and is bullied and picked on by other people. And I think we're really supposed to empathize with her from right off the bat. We're supposed to like her. And I think we are supposed to sort of empathize with her quest in a lot of ways. I don't think we're supposed to, the critics are trying to get us to, you know, say everything she's doing is right, that she does seem to sometimes be blind to other people's, you know, pain and suffering. But I feel like like is sort of a vague word, but someone we're supposed to admire a lot of qualities in from right off the bat. And not that they can't, you know, that she can't learn new things or that she can't change. But yeah, I think we are supposed to admire her and respect some of her qualities from the get go. Yeah, I yep. think admires probably the best word for it because, you know, I don't think she's supposed to be a character that we identify with. Um, so I think that role is being played by the, the Harfoot girl where she's supposed to be kind of the character that's like, oh, that's the one we can really like rally behind and kind of genuinely like as a character and identify with, whereas Galadriel is more of a sort of admire from a distance kind of character where it's like she's kind of in some ways not obviously not always every way but like she's kind of a more idealized like this is what a good elf should be like but whereas like the hobbit characters and even elrond to some extent are supposed to be the more sort of human characters that we're supposed to kind of identify with and have a sense of like warmth towards the people of the Southlands as well, I think, right, yeah. are also oh, yeah. Theo, I think, is the one. But, yeah, also people we're supposed to identify with. I still think he's going to be a Nazgul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just thinking about, like, Galadriel and, like, Sauron's or Hallbrand's interactions. Do you guys think that, from a book perspective, that Galadriel would have caught on a lot earlier? I think it's hard because the show might be writing a character that will end up like the character that we know in the Lord of the Rings trilogy and not necessarily that's her already. But um, one of the things that 
Galadriel was characterized in the Second Age, at least in Tolkien's previous works, was that she was very keen and insightful and that she rejected Anatar, who is the guise of Sauron in the books, um, when he rejected. She didn't know necessarily that he was exactly Sauron, but she didn't trust him. That is sort of them flipping the script a little bit in that, and that she trusts Halbrand a lot, and in fact is like the one who invites him into, you know, the place where he can do the most damage in the show. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good reading of it. I think she she would have caught on earlier, more than likely. Thanks for visiting the White City. Before you leave, please subscribe to our podcast and check us out at thewhitecitypodcast.com. Consider supporting my movement on Facebook, keeping the rings of power pure.